This is WMPG. My name is Dr. Anne, and this is Safe Space, Courageous Conversations About the Most Difficult Subjects. Tonight is the first in our new series about the Somali community here in Maine. In 2002, Lewiston Mayor Larry Raymond made national news by issuing a letter to the Somali community asking them to stop coming to Lewiston, that the social services of their town were at the limit. A huge outpouring of support for the Somali community followed, as seen in the Many in One demonstration at Bates College 10 years ago. Now the current Lewiston mayor, Bob McDonald, has re-inflamed tensions, making public statements that Somalis should keep their culture at the door and implying that immigrants are not working. Today, Safe Space will be starting this new series on the Somali community, and our mission is to create respectful ways to talk about difficult subjects. In this case, we are exploring differences in race, religion, culture, and language, and how the fairly homogeneous, Caucasian, English-speaking, and even predominantly Christian culture of Maine residents can welcome, celebrate, and learn from our new neighbors. My guest is Mohamed Dini, who is the executive director of the Africa Diaspora Institute in Portland, Maine. In 1997, at the age of 13, Mohamed and his family came from Somalia by way of a refugee camp in Kenya. In 2010, Mohamed Dini ran in the Democratic primary for the position of state representative for District 119. He captured 40% of that vote. He did lose that 2010 election, but remains committed to serving the community. His latest project is a publication called Portland Forward, which features stories written by immigrants who have relocated to Maine. Welcome to Safe Space, Mohammed. Thank you, Anne. So you were invited to be a speaker at the TED Talk last fall. I got a chance to watch it, at least on the, on the video. Oh, thank you. It was, it was so inspiring. And you focused on a Somali concept that you called fufurnan. Fufurnan. Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. Which you described as meaning openness. Yep. And you invited people into an open-hearted dialogue with you. Yes. And you invited people to ask you questions. Yes. You said, come on, talk to me, effectively. Yes. So you inspired this interview because that's what I want to do today live. Oh, definitely. Thank you. And especially, I want to talk about the things that are really difficult for people to talk about, which are differences. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, between you and me, there's almost every difference, at least superficially anyway. Yes. (laughs) In terms of uh, race, religion, language, culture, Mm -hmm. gender roles. Mm -hmm. So, I actually want to spend a little bit of time talking about each one. Mm -hmm. Even figuring out how to talk about these differences can be tricky. So let's talk with, about culture, because that's the thing that's sort of most up right now with Bob McDonald's comments. Leave your culture at the door. So what are the ways in which your culture has conflicts with sort of traditional Maine culture? What did he mean, leave your culture at the door? Why, why is your culture not a, a gift to Maine? I don't know. And that's yeah. one of the questions that also I, I struggle to answer sometimes. Why? What, what did that mean, leave your culture behind? And, you know, as a man, usually uh, when I'm walking right on the street or with students or playing basketball, nobody knows what my culture is. So that really applies to women. Leave your culture behind. It's mostly what he meant is through your scarf or whatever. And he's one of those manners. I, I, I shouldn't say all manners. When it's not like that, obviously. <laughs> so it's one of those minorities, uh, manners that might not don't get it yet. Like, leave your culture behind. I ask myself, what culture? As far as I know, my culture is an American culture, uh, a minor culture, a, a culture where a first amendment is respected, a different culture, different religion, uh, different practices, freedom of speech. Those of mix of diversity is American culture. 
And that's what makes American culture great. So when you say leave your culture behind, who you really are implying to, it really struggles me. Like, who are you serious? Do you really read your history first <laughs> for you to say leave your culture behind? Uh, there's so many different cultures in America, and each one has their own. Jewish, Irish, French, uh, uh, Muslims, uh, Somalians who, who came there, uh, African Americans, Spanish. Tell me which group that doesn't have their culture. Right. And we all have, but but that what embraces us and make who we are uh, as an Americans today. So that actually is is very anti diversity. That comment itself is an American, I should say. <laughs> anti American, yes. So I sense that your intuition was that he actually really meant. Headscarves. Like. Uh, headscarves. The, the target was ladies. The comments target. Most people don't get it, but majority was towards the women. Yeah. So tell me. Let's talk about headscarves because I think people have a lot of feelings about headscarves. Mm-hmm. So tell me, actually, why are headscarves important to wear for Somali women? I mean, it's, it's sort of like a religious thing for culture and religion is hiding their their hair. You can see any Christian nannies that has hair cover when she's serving some sort of like religious ceremony that they must have, you know. Like a nun, you mean, would cover her? Yes. And there's so many other religious aspects involved in. But it's also a culturally something that developed over the years in our culture that you cover your hair. It's a normal thing. Like so for dress. a Somali woman to walk around without a headscarf, would that be considered blasphemous? Is that an insult to her culture or to her God? No, it's definitely, I mean, there's many of us believe our religion in many ways. Like, um, people, some people do, some people don't, but majority of us do. And majority of us follow cultures and faith and all those. And so it's, it doesn't mean anything. You'll see those who don't have it. You'll see those who have it. Right, there's a diversity, diversity. within the Somali within community. Oh, of course there is. Yes, so every community has its own diversity. Yes. But but just to target that is actually uh, broke your heart, and uh, I experienced a similar incident about that. You know, there's someone who was wearing had a scarf. She's an old lady, like sixty-seven years old, some sort of like that. And there was a statement that someone made about her uh, that really offended me too. But what he said was it was very touchy. He was like, "Hey, why do you have here? You're in America. Take that off." <laughs> In her face, blank. And I was like, wait a minute, is he crazy? And I mean, it's not like I should say um, he came to the question asking it like he was like sort of, if you think about, oh, this guy is police fashion and, and, and he was telling the lady do's and, and don'ts. Uh, and then he ran in front of the face of that older lady. So obviously it was a blank come out very strong. And I'm like, whoa, what's wrong? I mean, think about it. If he would have questions when I said for Fernand, he would have asked her, hey, what does this mean? Hi, first, hello, good conversations. Uh, he would better appreciate it. He would learn. Um, he, he would have an amazing conversation and better serve for his uh, ignorance that he had at the time. You know, So those things comes here and there. Right. So you're saying if he had brought the spirit of Fufunan to yes. that conversation, he could have learned from her. Yes. He could have said, help me understand about this. Yes. But instead, he ordered her around. He's like, hey, you in America, take that off. <laughs> yes. And it's sort of fascinating to me about where that comes from. I mean, I think that actually speaks to the next difference, which which is religion. Mm-hmm. And I think in this country now, there's so many prejudices about Islam that mm-hmm. there's a great fear we call it now Islamophobia, which has okay. a lot of money behind it. Mm-hmm. 
people associate Islam with all manner of, you know, women being oppressed, mm-hmm. with terrorism, mm-hmm. with people's hands being cut off as punishment. I mean, they have a lot of very negative associations. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to hear you speak to what is it about Islam that you would wish that uh, traditional Maine residents could really understand about the beauty of it or the importance mm-hmm. of this religion? So, so of course, it's a lot of history involved in, in Islam. Uh, Islam is a religion that itself says peace. The way I was brought up is say hi to your neighbor who's in there, get to know them. Uh, you go and, hey, how you doing? Salam alaikum, how you doing? Uh, you know, peace be upon you. You peacefully uh, embrace that culture and within. So it's, it's, it's a great peaceful religion that, that we have. There's billions of Muslims in the world and millions of Muslim Americans also live here in this great country. Uh, so there is within minority groups that that you might hear from the news or you might hear anywhere else, any religion has uh, extremists. <laughs> I don't know any religion that doesn't have extremists, like very beyond extremists. But not that we put label into any religion. When things happen in, uh, let's say, Oklahoma, we don't say, hey, this guy kills to Actually, that's, he believes in that religion. We, we find another concept. Uh, the shooter in here in uh, Connecticut, we cannot relocate that into religion. It's extremist person. So within in another, uh, if you come from a background of that religion, obviously, one of those questions I always ask, oh, who taught him that? How did he get to know? And of course, I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but obviously every religion have extremists. But that is minority. And as an American, we, we need to know. We need to learn our neighbors and cultures and, and faith and different religions. And that's who I deal with every day. I learn so many other cultures and religions itself. So what I hear you saying is that, unfortunately, Islam is being associated with the behavior of a few extremists, the sort of jihad movement. And people are thinking that that represents all of Islam. And that, in fact, from your experience, Islam is a religion of peace. Yes, yes. And and the word of jihad itself, when you explain Arabic, is actually survival, day by day, how you survival. That's what it's it not, means, yes, day by day survival. It's, not, it's nothing to do with the violence or killing someone. I want to ask you a little bit about your experience of race in Maine. Maine is perhaps one of the most homogeneously Caucasian states in the country. <laughs> and I know that some people felt like, wow, I wonder why the Somali community wanted to be in Maine. Like, Were they expecting to, to encounter racism, given how white? Yeah. a state this has been. And I'm curious to ask you, mm-hmm. do you experience racism on a day-to-day basis here in Maine? What's, what has it been like for you to be a, a dark-skinned man living here in Portland, Maine? Oh. Uh-huh. That's a great question. Uh, before I answer the question, I, I, I really want to um, tell you that uh, as a Somali Mainers, uh, we, we're grateful being here first, and uh, we, we we like to thank many who welcome us on that process. But after fleeing where we came from uh, in Somalia, and uh, and gratefully this great country uh, become my adopted home. One of those places that I arrived was here, uh, where in Boston first, and then relocated here. My family chose Portland because of many categories: the safety, obviously, one of the priority, a small uh, city, that uh, dynamic community connection. And as well as coastal city, same as the city I was born. So that's one of the concepts I was telling people. That's why my family chose here, because we like independence. My my mom would not control what I do. She I, she would rather feel me go around the city and come back on my own. That's in, independent. 
person. She wanted a safe neighborhood for her children. Yes. But when you come here uh, at the beginning, uh, it's in America, you, you face all this greatness. Thanks God. Uh, the civil war after great nation you fled and the civil war you know, left all those places you come here and you sort of like in honeymoon where you want to rebound you're happy restart your life you know what i mean the first thing you have is it's family will start work with work you know rebounds but then the system closing how the things are in main my mark the beginning of sometimes when you face all this racism you feel like uh, inferiority of uh, complex in both the status like refugee, this and that. I'm, I'm like, wait a minute. I, I, you know, I resettle in this country. I don't want to become overnight a person who has no past, no future at all. I have a past. I come from a country that had political system running and everything. Since it has civil war, I fled somewhere else. I came to my adopted home. And, and, and therefore, feeling, oh, this status is they threw on you sometimes. That, that's what it puts you in. The refugee status. The status. Oh, the refugee. And this is great, of course. I'm refugee. I'm resettled here from somewhere else. But I'm in my adopted home. I, if you ask me, am I living now? No, I'm not living. It's my permanent home. Um, and then over a decade ago, 2001, or probably back in 97, when you come in, maybe certain two or three years, we can, we can live with that refugee status. But think about it, living in public school here, and that status still goes with you. <laughs> Or immigrant, you oh day, you're always in that box of excluded. Right, so you feel like always being told you're other if you get others. To, <laughs> so when you first get here, okay, you can tolerate being called a refugee for a while because it's also new. Mm-hmm. But it, you don't want to be stuck in a box of being an immigrant for the rest of your life. Because when do you get to stop being an immigrant and start being a person whose homeless is? Yes, I, I live. The, the, the greatness is, first of all, I'm an American citizen who grew up here. Uh, I'm a I'm a Mainer. I serve the best of interests of this nation and this state. Uh, I'm a taxpayer. My family is taxpayers. We are educators. Are we? Most of us went to school. Earlier. We all living to that, looking for that same American dream. And tell me who's not refugee in this country? To be honest with you, except to the Native Americans. We all arrive at once. Um, and most of the, most of the time, we intend to ignore the fact that we're from somewhere. Those, uh, if if you see in loose, in majority, you could call it uh, French Canadians, and I don't want to say uh, certain mayors were French Canadians because they're not. If they were French Canadians, they would have embraced uh, diversity, because they arrived themselves there, uh, and, and they they themselves work those meals. Their kids, their team, they suffered. There's a lot of history behind when they came here and how they get there. So when when other people come, they would be the first one to embrace that culture. And, and welcome them openly. So I don't really consider those are French Canadians at all. Because how do you fact ignore your history? It wasn't even that long ago. And look, 1920s in, in this country, as you know, and Jewish community was the same. They were forced in a box of, you know what I mean, different religions. The other this, box. Other box. Yeah. Of course, we are immigrants. We arrived in this country, uh, not by choice. Uh, we had a civil war, same as the Europeans and. Irish community have uh, problems in Ireland, and there's many million reasons I forced everybody to come to this great nation. But when you get here, when you get here, the only difference that we had in the communities before us, the French, the Jewish, the, uh, the Irish, and all those even came here, the only difference we had was the color. Our color is a little bit dark. It's darker, actually. Yes. I shouldn't say. So, so you're that's more the visible. Un- we are more visible. That's yeah. the only difference. 
But think about it. Ask a European immigrant now who arrives. He will never face the same problems. He no, exactly. integrate quickly. Exactly. Yeah. There's a lot of national interest around these statements that the mayors are making and what it means and so on. Mm-hmm. But in terms of your personal life day to day, do mm-hmm. you experience discrimination? Do you experience shop owners watching you suspiciously in their store? Do you experience people crossing the road because they're afraid of you? I mean, do you feel that kind of day to day? If if I don't say I don't feel it, um, I'm lying. The truth is yes. And do you feel like that is a, a corrosive thing? I mean, on, when you think about having your own children here, mm-hmm. does that sadden you to think that they would also be exposed I to that? I, I guess they might. I mean, um, I'm not saying they might not. Things might change. Only God knows. But um, I also have a dream that this country came this far uh, as far as racism. If I would have arrived here back in Sigisi, it would have been way worse. You know, the history of African-Americans, how they traded and whatnot. Uh, so I'd be lying if I say no. But but the way you experience race today is way different than the way you experience race in, in 1960s. And, of course, you weren't here in the 1960s either. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, uh, but you learn. And you will face and raise in many ways, many ways you, can, you couldn't even imagine. It hits you later. In, in what the would concept. be an example of that? When you're running for office, you have to knock many doors. And, and the concept, of the, it sometimes it hits you the truth. When, when you hear the concept of the, the truthness, it, it hurts you. But also when you talk about it, it, it changes. I, uh, like one of those doors that uh, um, I'm giving you a very good example. You come to someone's house. Everybody runs away, like run away from the door. Someone who dressed in classics, not even, you know, very normal, probably have a suit on or anything, uh, to a point where, like, regroup everybody else. That there's probably someone who want to steal or someone who wanna really want to start problems, and mm-hmm. you know. And, and, and that coming up hard, you were like, wait a minute, what happened? And then you tell them, I'm sorry, after the conversation, you know, and I'm not saying it because certain people will think that you're here with different reason. So they come up, approach personnel and say, hey, what do you want? Are you looking for clothes or food or something? You don't know. Some people will come up in a nice, different attitude, thinking that uh, they may not expect you to run office, obviously. But, but in better ways, more humanly ways, to approach to you and ask you, hey, what do you want? And you have conversation. But some goes back and really comes back and want to fight. Like, totally something's about to happen now, sort of. Attitude, so like, want to yeah. fight you about what? No, I mean, like, very scary, like situations, like, yo, where you feel it, threatened. Yeah, there's a dark person in my in my in my door. So, what what can I do? Right. You know what I mean? So, like, it hits you first, like, what? Uh, do I look armed? Do I really? Am I really scary looking? You know? And then you realize, oh, it is because you dark color. And then and then, take someone of my friends. Who's uh, same school uh, USM student that travel? Sometimes I take them because it, it takes the tension off. Because uh, when you door the no- uh, knock the doors and you have white person with you, they're more comfortable, smooth then. So you can really notice quickly, and but also as a servant and uh, you can face sometimes. Smallest thing you can go ask a place coffee the way you trade it sometimes can flip so you you can face a million ways but do you feel like there's a risk that long term that would make you bitter do you feel like what like what is the long term psychological impact of being treated that way by people as if you were dangerous 
as if you were coming to ask for things. I mean, you're being treated in two very demeaning ways. Mm-hmm. Inside yourself, are you trying to resist the influence that that could have on you to be treated like that over time? No, I mean, it's, we're all human. Uh, and we all uh, have that nature of human. Um, uh, so it's bias is, is a human thing. You can have million bias. Uh, and it, it it has, you could say, psych- we talk about psychological thing. If you're not as strong yourself, um, you know, or your culture is strong or your community is strong. Uh, the way I look at it is sometimes, and I always talk about it, I'm a reader of different languages. The language that I know, the books I read, cultures and all those. And when I was introducing the concept of Furnan, it's that thing you were telling me, if I hold it, it's going to kill myself. But in some way, you got to talk about it. Because that's what it teaches you for Furnan. And and also you learn methods of the Somali saying that says, uh, which means ignorance is the enemy of love. I don't think a lot of Mainers are racist at all. But the bias to think, imagine you you were born in Maine, all you see is people look like you, all you hear is concept of single story about certain individuals, and, and all you hear is like, hey, those Somalis are coming in, in Lewiston and this and that, or uh, do you see this African doing this and that. Like that single story can impact your life. Even though you're very innocent and you don't know anything, you really develop over the years these stigma that maybe some newspapers or some bias or some some sort of things might develop to you individually. And if I don't know Yasana today, and all you could hear is those narrow stories, and you don't expose uh, those people's day by day life, you're like, oh Jesus, I didn't know. Is that these people have the same concept you do? I know you would say that. You know what I mean? So, so, so part of what I'm hearing though is that despite the fact that you have been treated like this repeatedly. You have a very understanding attitude to where bias comes from. Mm-hmm. I hear you not blaming. I hear you no. saying, if you've grown up with all people like you, that's all you've been exposed to, and then you hear a few stories mm-hmm. that are frightening, and that's all you have to go on, then it would be understandable that you would have this bias. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I hear you having a very kind of forgiving, yeah. understanding approach to it. Yes. I mean, as I said, forgiveness is the best the key we can use. And, and that's the same concept that Somali culture introduced for Furnan. Uh, if, if, I, if, I, if I carry something against you like right now, Anna, if I like, oh, she did this and did that, it, it drives me crazy. And if I don't express my feelings in other ways, it kills me inside psychologically. And impact me. But, but imagine if I come to you and I approach you, hey, and you did this, you did that, and I explode, you explode, and we came down here, a couple blah blah and gag gag. We could come up something, some sort of def- like understanding. And, and I and I and I always say, uh, yo, there's no way the communities in Maine could be all like that. It's the majority of a great people. Uh, the the New England culture of independence is the culture we came from, sort of like that mentality. Our countries back in the days had colonies, so we've seen the way they live. You know, Italians, exposing Somalia, French, uh, uh, English, all those. We know uh, the colonial system and how they did it. So I don't think sometimes one of the th- when people cross the line, they don't know. It's the ignorance. Ignorance is the enemy of love? Yes. How do you say that again in Somali? Uh, <laughs> I said it earlier. And, 
I am not even going to try to say yes. that. Ignorance is the enemy of love. It's yes. a beautiful quote. Yes. So I mean, we have time for one last question, which I want to ask you. So I know that you ran for office. Mm-hmm. I know you were considering running again. And I want to ask you about what your hopes are in doing that. And if you do run again for office, why someone like me should vote for you. Okay. Someone like you. Uh, I don't want to guess what background. Maybe uh, French maybe uh, Irish, maybe Jewish, maybe Scottish. You can have any background you want. Someone like you would understand, even though I'm different in color, uh, that I'm Poland resident. I'm a main resident. Uh, that I grew up here, same as you might did. Uh, went to school here, same as you might did. Uh, your grand-grandfathers came to this country to have that opportunity of having an American dream sort of, to get there. Someone like you will remember your grandfather when you see people like me who here came out to change their life in better ways. Someone like you would understand why is it important to have different voices, diversity, American diversity in our state house. You can go to our state house. You will never have another perspective. You have single narrow story pushed the holy state house level. You might not have different perspectives and different approaches at all. So someone like you sometimes might say, hey, I think we might need different perspectives. It's great to, to, to elect people like me. All my communities are uh, African immigrants who came here but also grew up here who have different uh, mentalities and different cultures and different ways of getting business done. Uh, very ent- entrepreneur-based communities. And you can drive around both Lewis and Portland today, you will see it. My darkness of us color would not be your enemies. Think about it. We all mainers. Think about the things that we share all in common. At the end of the day, as Anna, the issue that you care when you elect me, if I'm your state legislator, is, or your city council, is, hey, uh, is the city taking my trash away from the hallway and getting things done? How my school students are doing? Uh, what are the budgets and the crisis our state facing? Uh, what are the things, how your ideology and the way you approach might change things? So someone like me actually would bring a lot. And, and, and I think, in many ways, it's one of those people that you could have a great relationship and learn a lot. And, and we say learning is both ways and not always in one way. I can tell you that one of the reasons I would be tempted to, to vote for you, should you run again, although I don't think I live in your district, mm-hmm. would precisely be so that my child would look to you and instead of when you come to my doorstep, instead of running away being afraid mm-hmm. or thinking you've come to ask for clothes, mm-hmm. would yeah. say, oh, there, you know, there's our leader. You know, yes. that, that, that they would think of someone with dark skin who looks like you as someone that they would want to know and yes. that they could learn from. And that yeah. means a great deal to me as a parent. Thank you, and I really appreciate it on that. And, you know, uh, I, th- I think we need to to have that approach. When we have issues in you know, mayor issues and all those issues, there's many who step away, don't want to get into it. Um, but but it's learning. I think if that wouldn't happen ourselves, the learning situations, there's people like him out there that needed to be educated. Mohamedini, we need to stop. Thank you so much for being my guest. If someone wants to find out more about you, can they Google the African Diaspora Institute? Yes. Or Portland Forward? Yes, Portland Forward. Uh, we're recruiting a lot of writers, um, and we work in 
getting English speakers work with some students who will produce our writings and stuff so they can help and and they can always do a fellowship on our pro- on our programs so it's they come to portlandforward.com yes they could get involved in that yes or african diaspora they can shoot me an email you'll find it uh, dini at diasporarise.org dini d-i-n-i at diasporarise.org yes Thank you again. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. This is Dr. Ann. I've been speaking to Mohammed Dini about his experience as a Somali Mainer growing up here in Maine. I want to thank tonight Jen Hodgson for mixing the sound and Maurice Lennon for the music. If you would like to go to the website to get a link to this show in its entirety so you can email it to a friend, please go to our website at www.safespaceradio.com. You can subscribe there to get a weekly email with the link. You can also download the show from iTunes. You can like us on Facebook. Coming up next is Local Solutions.